Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Stock market volatility is off the hook. Markets seem like they just keep going lower, and I know it's been a tough couple of weeks for investors. And I guess the one good thing is we've been talking about the Dow Theory on the Gains podcast for like six months now. And the Dow Theory has given us the heads up that things aren't looking good for stocks. So let's revisit that tool. And I know we talk about it a lot on the Gains podcast, but it's been incredibly accurate as of late. So that's what we're going to discuss today. The Dow Theory and what it says about the future direction of financial markets. I'm Andy Gersher, and this is Gaines. All right, we're talking Dow Theory, and I've gotten a number of emails as of late to just revisit this. It's been a valuable tool, and we're bringing on our Dow Theory expert today, Chuck Carlson. CEO of Verizon Investment Services and publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast Newsletter in Hammond. He's also author of the book, Winning with the Dow's Losers. And he's got a website he's going to share with you right now that is just tailored for the Gaines listener. Uh, go ahead, Chuck. Right, that, that, ups, that, that website is UpsideStocks.com. UpsideStocks.com. You can go to the site. You can get a free 30-day trial subscription to our newsletter upside it focuses on small primarily small cap stocks so a lot of names that uh, i think your listeners will, will find interesting stuff you don't see or or talked about a lot and uh but pretty high quality stuff in the small cap space and again that's upsidestocks.com and with so many things beaten down I'm sure there's some probably good deals to be found. So definitely check out that website. Uh, We bring on Chuck. We talk Dow Theory. The Dow Theory has really given us the heads up. Uh, We've been talking Dow Theory and, and, and how markets are shaping up here for six months now. And the Dow Theory has been a great tool to use here. Let's just start the conversation off today, Chuck. Hey, those Dow Industrials uh, put in a new low level on the Dow theory. The transport's held just a, a little bit. But uh, first of all, give a quickie on the Dow theory, and let's talk about these levels. Sure. The, the Dow theory, Andy, looks at the, the action of the Dow Jones Industrial Average and the Dow Jones Transportation Average. And from the movement of those two indices discerns whether the market's primary trend the trend, which typically lasts a minimum six to eight months at a minimum, 
uh, is bullish or bearish. Uh, before I kind of get into the intricacies, I was, you know, uh, you, you, some of your listeners may go, well, geez, this looks, this sounds, you're just basically looking at points on a, on a graph. And to some extent that is true, but the, the fundamental basis that underlies the, the Dow theory is, is, is a pretty simple premise. It says, listen, you know, for a, a market to be in sync, you really need an economy to, to be in sync. And an economy that's in sync is that you have, the various important aspects of the economy running in sync and the Dow Jones industrial and the Dow Jones transportation average kind of give you barometers or windows into, you know, very important areas of the market, whether it's in the way the industrials, you're looking at industrial stocks, uh, you know, with financials and services and tech. And then on the transport side, you're looking at, excuse me, transportation related stocks, you know, airlines, rails, truckers, shippers, et cetera. So it, it, you know, those two indices really give you a, a, a broad coverage of the economy, and and you know the the fundamental basis of the Dow theory that says, listen, if you have both the industrials and the transports moving higher and setting a level of higher highs, and they're doing that in sync, you know that's a good thing. That's a good thing for the market, but that's also reflecting an economy that's in sync, and that should be positive for corporate profits. If on the other hand, you have both of those averages moving, you know, directionally lower and, and making a series of lower lows in sync, um, you know, that, that obviously does not bode well for the broad market. It doesn't bode well that there's dislocations in the economy and perhaps, you know, you're, you're going to have a recession. So, so that's kind of the fundamental basis. You know, we talk about points on a graph so often, but, you know, there, it's not just kind of chart jacking here. It's, it's, there is a fundamental basis that underlies the, the Dow theory. So that's that. So so where do we stand now in the Dow theory? Well, you know, the, the Dow theory turned bearish on February 22nd. So, you know, the Dow theory was turned bearish almost three months ago when, you know, there were still a lot of folks talking about a market that, you know, was this was a correction and, you know, it, it was probably going to turn and there was still a f- fair amount of optimism about it. The Dow theory at that time was saying, you know what, there's problems ahead. And We've seen those problems over the last, you know, two and a half to three months. The the most recent development under the Dow theory was that we did get a few days ago new confirmed lows, uh, closing lows in both of the Dow Industrials and the Dow Transports, which basically merely reconfirmed this bear market trend. So uh, the Dow theory doesn't tell you how low the market's going to go. Um, it, it merely tells you, listen, you know, are you on the right side of the market trend or are you on the wrong side of the trend? And is it bearish or bullish? And the last major signal under the Dow theory was reconfirming this bear market trend. So that's kind of where we stand now from a, a Dow theory perspective. What the next thing that will happen here is that somewhere in here, the, the industrials and transports will establish new significant lows. Then we'll get a rally off of that, as we always do, and then they'll come back down and retest those lows, and that's that will be the true asset test whether they can hold those lows or not. So, you know, in, in terms of are we close to having a, a bull market signal or a trend change under the Dow theory, the short answer is not really because we, you know, we need the market to establish new low points, which I'm not convinced that we are there yet, 
and then you'll need a rally, a significant rally, and then you'll need a retest of the lows that are that are established right here. So unfortunately, still needs to happen here. I'd love to tell people right. this thing can get wrapped up in a week, but right. that's typically not how it works. Yeah, and and again, we're at the lower levels, so <laughs> there's got to be a lot of things to happen. Now, just like the last time we talked about the Dow Theory, grab a piece of paper. At the top, write Dow Theory, Okay. And then you're going to, below that, write Dow Industrials High. That level, by the way, and we, we talked about this last time, and we can go into why these levels are where they're at. The Dow Industrials High in the Dow Theory right now is 35,260. That was put in on March 29th, 22. I mean, obviously, March 29th. Okay, then the next line down hit Dow Industrials Low. And that's that's the closing on the Dow today, thirty one thousand seven hundred thirty. If you want to be exact, point three zero, and that was posted at the close today. These are all closing. That's key. Then put a little gap, and the next thing put Dow Transports high. That was uh, put in on the twenty ninth of March, sixteen thousand seven hundred eighteen, and then below that, Dow Transports low. That actually held today. It was close to testing it, but uh, on um, the 11th of this month, which was yesterday, the Dow Transports closed at 14,291.09. So that Dow Transports low is 14,291.09. You got those four levels on that page. Okay. So uh, why don't you got to kind of pick up there and, and and just kind of explain where we're at now that we have those levels and the dates on, on a piece of paper in front of us. Yeah, and the most important levels, quite honestly, are the low points because um, once, once lows are established, um, the, ra- the, the next rally may end up establishing significant new highs to, to kind of um, you know, supersede those ones that you mentioned. So right should, now, should, well, you know, real quick question: ones, Should I blow out? Should we blow out the highs right now, or is it? Do they have any value since we have put in new lows? Well, well, the value okay. that they have, they, from a Dow Theory perspective, they they may or may not have value. I don't know yet. I'll, I'll know that better after you know some t- after what I see what the rally does. Quite frankly, okay. So hold but on to those numbers for the time being. Hold on right. to those numbers. Those were kind of highs that we had been watching. If the levels, uh, if those low levels that we kind of retested recently, if they would have held, those highs would have been firmly in That's place. Right. And, so, and, go ahead. and you can make an argument that those those highs will represent over time, you know, resistance levels. So that while while those points may not have Dow theory relevance, they'll have relevance as the market moves higher. Uh, because you know what you want to see is obviously a market kind of moving uh, past previous resistance points, such as those previous highs. But I think what'll happen, Andy, is that you'll have kind of new highs established on the rally that occurs once we have a bottom. So that's that's what puts a premium on on those low points. And and the other thing to think about from an investor standpoint is that you know when you're lo- when you're looking for a bottom in the market and this is going to sound nonsensical but the the fact of the matter is there's a lot of wisdom in in what I'm about to say 
you know, you need a you need a market to stop going down. And, I love I love when you say that because you know what, there's not a truer thing that one can say. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's 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 kind of self. It's pretty obvious, but the fact of the matter is, you need it to stop going down. And how do you measure whether a market's going down or not? Well, how if it holds those previous lows? So that's why, you know, those points matter because, you know, at the at, at some point in here, the market when it does decide to bottom. It, one of the indications will be it will stop going through previous low points. That, by definition, is the beginning of a potential change in the trend from from bearish to bullish. So, you know, th- that's why it's always kind of stinks when the market takes out new new lows on the downside because it's it's you know that kind of extends the 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 cycle, extends the duration of the bear market. So. You know, you, you need a, a first point in trying to determine whether a market is bottomed or not is, A, you know, has it stopped going down, particularly on bad news, because that's what you'll, st- you'll eventually see happen. And we haven't yet, is that you'll see the market stop going down on, on bad news. Sometimes it'll even go up on seemingly bad news. And, that's and we've seen just to- the opposite, too. Uh, when, you know, as, as markets have been getting hit here, You'll even see companies where there'll be a little flakes of of good news, even in the data, and the market will still get stomped, and that that's very bearish. So you're kind of talking about the opposite of that. Exactly. You know, you, you, I mean, that's you know, if people want to know, you know, what are some signs of a market bottoming? One, stuff's going down. Two, the market doesn't react to negative news. Three, you start to see rallies that when they retrace the rally, it doesn't go below the previous lows. Four, you get this level of capitulation that we just haven't seen yet. And a way to measure that, that I think is a pretty good way to measure that, is by looking at the percentage of stocks that are trading above their 200-day moving average. And you can get that data in, in newspapers. We track it uh, as well. You can get it online. But if you want a, a sense of just how out of favor stocks are, and that's what you need is when you, you, you when everybody hates stocks, you know, that's typically one of those things where that corresponds with bottoms. Well, how do you measure that? Well, one tool that I like is looking at that percentage of stocks in the New York Stock Exchange and how many of them are trading above excuse me, their 200-day moving average. If you look at the washouts during the 2008-2009 market environment and that 2020 market environment from February to March, how did I know that they were pretty washed out? Well, because, partly because, the percentage of stocks in the New York Stock Exchange that were trading above their 200-day moving average, and and that 200-day moving average you can use as kind of a, a reasonable equilibrium price, a reasonable proxy for a stock's equilibrium, um, and, and so it's, it's kind of that whole concept of reversion of the mean. If you've got tons and tons of stocks trading above it, stocks are pretty popular and you expect them to come back down. If, on the other hand, you have very few stocks trading above their 200-day and most are trading below, at some point you would expect stocks to migrate back to that equilibrium level. Well, getting back, 2008, 2009, and 2020, during those fair markets, 
the percentage of stocks got down to two percent. <laughs> I mean, you had ninety-eight oh out of hundred stocks. Oh, and where, yeah. where are and, we at and, again? Where are we at again right now? We started today at about twenty-three percent. So, okay. so we're getting there. Right, right. Um, and it doesn't necessarily have to get to two percent. Um, but you know, it, it, I don't think. Where does it stack know, historically? That, we're, well, like, yeah, we're quite there. We're, yeah. we're now. We've had a pretty significant deterioration in the last couple of weeks of that level. From you know, I think it was around thirty-four, thirty-five a couple of weeks ago. Now, going into today, it was twenty-three. Um, you know, you start to see that level dancing around the mid-teens. <clears throat> that doesn't necessarily say the market is bottom, but history shows that you probably have to start throwing some money back into the market at that point because, uh, you know, you're, you, you are at, at, at pretty aggressively low levels for that. And so, you know, th- that's kind of one of the things that I'm kind of waiting to see before I kind of start to really feel comfortable saying that this, this market is bottomed. And, and, and I will tell you, typically you're, you're probably going to be early when you start throwing money in. And I, I, you know, and I've used this and we've had this indicator that we've, we've tracked it, I think since 1989. And, and there, you know, there are times when, well, for example, in 2008, 2009, if you started buying when it was in the mid teens, you might've felt like a dummy for the first three to six months. Cause it, it, it got worse, but you were awfully glad you did buy in the mid teens, you know, six months later because when the market took off it took off with a vengeance and and you you still made a lot of money so you know it's just one tool to give you some perspective on where we are in 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 a market cycle and and you know investors should use it not necessarily like a a scalpel but more like a sledgehammer where you know it's going to give you some perspective maybe it's not calling a bottom but it historically it is a time when starting to put money back into the market has paid dividends, you know, 12 months hence. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll continue our uh, discussion about the Dow theory and what it's telling us about the market. Hey, real quick, be sure to subscribe, follow, and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts if that's an option for you. And as always, subscribe and turn on those notifications so you know when a new Gains episode drops We drop Gaines episodes on Wednesday and Friday mornings. All right, we're going to be right back with Chuck Carlson right after the break. If you enjoy learning about communities, culture, and history, then Shades of the City podcast is for you. We will bring you stories like the legacy of Johnson Publishing Company, most notably known for Jet and Ebony magazines. Basically what the world said African-American people could not do, these magazines proved otherwise. Subscribe now to Shades of the City on the Odyssey app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. 
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. All right, back with Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services and publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast newsletter in Hammond, author of Winning with the Dow's Losers. All right, we're continuing the Dow Theory conversation. It has been incredibly accurate and a super valuable tool uh, for the Gaines listener. We've been following the Dow Theory, and it's given us the heads up that we would see these rough waters. So it gave us the heads up several months ago to start unloading some of those names that we made money on the names that are actually getting crushed right now and you know enabled us to kind of see what's happening now say as you mentioned three months ago to start building up dry powder and none of us are going to really pick the bottom we know that but i'll tell you what even right now you're you're getting a lot better deal than three months ago and, uh, yeah, absolutely, you know, and 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 that's that's you know something investors need to to, to kind of consider. Uh, you know, they also do need to con- kind of consider though, and and this gets back to this this whole notion of timing and when do you re-enter and things like that. Um, the the one X factor in all of this that makes the timing decision that's going to make the timing decision tougher is this the X factor being inflation. You know, I, I was thinking, Andy, you know, I started in this business in 1982. So I've been, you know, here for 40 years uh, come August. And in that whole 40-year period, other than maybe in the, the early 80s, mid-80s, when we were still grappling with really high inflation, you know, anybody who's entered the markets in the last 25 or 30 years, inflation has been, you haven't had to factor inflation into your market calculus it's it's you know it's been it's been a tailwind for you it hasn't been a headwind this is including other times when we've really seen the markets get beat down you know 2008 you look at these other times that's the one thing that is different this time is inflation was a non-factor and right. enabled the fed to do things that they can't do now and what which is counter what they're doing now that's right so you know that that is the one that, that that is the one thing that kind of gives me pause in terms of their, and that's why you see kind of the gyrations the market's doing right now because you know it's it's hard to kind of calibrate just the the impact that inflation is going to have in terms of uh, price earnings multiples valuations et cetera. So you you have investors now that are looking at stocks and the stock's down sixty percent and thinking well the stock's down sixty percent maybe it's a buy well. It may or may not be, but when you look at valuations and you and you use those against a backdrop of high inflation, you know, is a, is a P ratio of 40 on a stock 
um, where it used to be 80, is that, is, is that a value? Um, well, it, it may have been a value in a non-inflationary market, um, but in an inflationary market, that may not be a value. Maybe that stock's got to go down another 50% to get to 20. And, that, and that's really the, 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 the difficulty in trying to call a bottom because typically when you're looking at bottoms, you know, valuation comes into play, right? It's like, boy, all these stocks are just it's cheap valuations now. And, and, and value is tough to, to get a handle on in an inflationary environment. You know, is 20 times earnings a fair price to pay for – um, XYZ company, or is it going to have to go down to 15 or 16 and, you know, or 12? And Well, so, you can even, I, even this week, Chuck, just think of the people who, you know, saw stocks down 50, 60 percent being like, oh, this is a great deal to watch them get cut even further. I and mean, we've seen that with a lot of the high flyers that we talked about six months ago that was just making tons and tons of money. Some of those have lost 80, 90% of their value and are still declining. You know, it may turn out that they, they were, it was a good time to buy. Right. And, you know, and, you know, 24 months, 36 months from now, it's like, well, I didn't get it at the bottom, but I got it way down and I'm happy I did. But, but you know, those are the sorts of stocks that, you know, when you, you go back to, you know, when the, when the dot-com blew up in, nine, you know, nine, 2000, where you know people were buying some of those stocks that didn't have any earnings, um, that were just way, way, way overvalued, and then you know they went down fifty, sixty, seventy percent, and people were buying them, and and lo and behold, you know some of those stocks never came back. Right, so, some of those companies that, went straight out of business and became penny stocks. So it, right. you know, so, it, you know that is that's that is a real risk in in this environment that some of those stocks that just just get decimated. Um, never, never come back. And versus, you know, others that you know do have a product, do make money, and so forth. So just, you know, I, I think investors just need to be very careful in terms of how they calibrate value here. It's, it, it's, you know, just because the stock's down sixty percent doesn't make it a buy. There, there are certainly stocks that are down sixty percent that you, that that may be great buys, but. You know, you're going to have to do homework here, and, and 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 not necessarily just base value on how much the stock has come down, because there will be companies here that come down that that you know aren't aren't going to be around 18 months from now. Um, so just just be careful about that. And that and and that inflation factor, and that is one of the things that kind of gives me the feeling that you know this isn't all going to get wrapped up in a nice tight bow in six months that th- this type of decline that this type of bear market might have legs longer than than the, the bear markets we've seen in recent years may feel a little bit more like you know the 2000 2001 2002 kind of stretch that we had where we had gyrations in the market but the trend was pretty much down and things didn't really bottom out until 2003 um, th- that would not surprise me if we get into an environment like this. So that, that's just, you know, that's my caution. But, you know, it, at some point in there, you know, if if the Dow theory does turn bullish or if, you you know, the, the 200-day moving average gets down to, you know, 2% or 5%, you know, maybe that isn't going to be the bottom. But at some point, you got to kind of pick and choose where you want to start to deploy your money. And, and I would feel reasonably com- comfortable starting to push money into the market at those kind of levels because that historically has coincided with pretty good buying opportunities. 
Before I hit you up with some picks, I, I just also want to talk about the volatility has been off the hook, especially the last week or so. What does that volatility say about the market? Well, it, 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 you know, that's the type of stuff that you typically will start to see during, you know, during capitulation periods where, and, and that kind of volatility is oftentimes driven by things like margin calls, for example. And, you know, I was thinking about this earlier today, Andy, in terms of, you know, how does the, 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 um, you know, the cratering of cryptocurrency, is that having some impact on the, the volatility of the equity markets? And, you know, uh, and initially you would think, well, that, well, that doesn't have any volatility. And, and I am certainly no expert in crypto, but, but what I can say is that when you have any asset class fall almost 60% in six months, which is what's happened to, to a lot of the cryptos, including Bitcoin, any asset class falls 60% in a six-month period, um, you got some margin problems going on in there. Where well, and, and that cover. forces people to sell other things, even if they don't That's want right. to, to raise cash. And there, there, yeah, right. there's a lot of, uh, you know, yeah, there's linkages factors. there. Yeah, I and, agree and with cross, you. Cross action, and and I am not, I'm not saying that you know that this market is dependent on what happens in the crypto market, but but uh, what I am saying is that you kind of layer in that uh, that that characteristic or that possibility on top of, you know, just traditional margin calls and, and um, you know, where people are, have, have levered up their, their stock holdings, um, you know, th- that, that, those, that kind of is the stuff that starts kind of really causing this, this type of volatility because, you know, you get a margin call. I mean, you get, you got to sell, you, you got to sell what you got to sell. And it, a lot of times you're not selling necessarily, you're selling the stuff, that's easiest to sell. It may not be the stuff you, you'd want to sell, but you know when you got the broker there, or the, the the custodian that's saying you, you know I need more cash, you're gonna you're gonna go start selling. So you start to see, and that's that that starts to lead to this notion of you know the spread of the pain, and 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 where you start seeing a, a huge percentage of stocks now starting to sell off and trade below the 200-day moving average. And that's that's one of the reasons why you start to see kind of that measure of true market capitulation where everything starts selling off. And that that's the sort of thing that you, you, you tend to see closer to market bottoms. We haven't quite seen it yet. We've started to see evidence of it starting to build. And my guess is that that is going to build probably over the next few weeks uh, slash few months. Um, and and that's what I think you're going to need to have to to have this thing bottom out. Now, are you getting calls from your clients saying, "Hey, what's going on here?" Do are some of your clients saying, "Hey, this particular stock is down seventy five, eighty percent"? You know, should we, you know, try to get a good deal here? I mean, what what kind of calls are you getting? What kind of advice are you telling them? Yeah, it, you know, it was interesting. Uh, up until probably about a week ago, it was pretty mute. Um, the last week and a half has started to really grate on people. And um, so, yes, we have been getting calls. I, I, I can't say that I've been getting calls, um, a, a, a large number of them, for what they should be buying. It's more like should we, be, should we should be, be getting out. And, you know, now, and, and real quick, I mean, the contrarian in me 
sees that as actually kind of a bullish thing that now people are so upset that you're starting to get the calls. Uh, what's your thoughts on that? Right. No, I, I agree. And that's one of the, again, that is one of the reasons. I mean, that's all anecdotally, but, but you know, anecdotes can matter in building this kind of mosaic of, th- of thought around something. And that was one of the things that was causing me not to be so, so uh, you know, that we had had full capitulation because I wasn't getting those calls. I'm starting to get them now. And my guess is um, I will continue to get those now over the next few weeks, particularly as the market moves lower, and that it would be one more sign of the type of capitulation that you generally um, you generally see. You know, tip, unfortunately, most people when they 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 reach their their apex of pain where they can't take it any longer, usually that doesn't happen. Unfortunately, close to to, to market bottom. So the more calls like that I get, while obviously you don't want to see people stressed out. Well, you have degenerates like me who's like, what can I sell to raise cash? Where where, where can I find money? Can I take a loan? I mean, you see these deals, and, uh, I mean, I'm sure there's degenerates, other degenerates out there like myself where I'm, I'm like, licking my chops. And then sometimes it hurts because you'll buy it, and then it'll even go lower, and you're like, ah. So, I I mean, do you have – is anybody looking for deals, or are they all scared? I would say most of them are scared. There, there is a few, but you know. Also, to keep in mind that the risk averseness tends to increase with age, and so you know, depending on the the the, the uh, demographic, so to speak, that you're talking to. I mean, it's that's an excellent point, by the way. I mean, you know, you know if a, a fifty year or a a thirty year old definitely sees the loss a lot different than a sixty five year old. They do. Although I will say it is interesting sometimes. The one thing that the 65-year-old may have going for him or her is that they've, you know, this ain't their first rodeo. So, uh, you know, they they will tend to, in some cases, particularly if it's somebody who's been an investor, been around the markets for a long period of time, they they actually will hang in there. It's usually two people, two types of people. One, it's it's the newer person in the market whether that person is 30 or that person is 65, those are the people who tend to panic. So, you know, I, and, and, you know, hopefully your, your games listeners don't fall into this category, but I, right now, if you're somebody who's 35 years old, you're getting handed a fantastic opportunity here. Almost Um, life changing. I mean, this, this is where you make the hay. I feel like it, but, but you are, I mean, you know, because, this is going to give you an, a, a tremendous ability to reset your portfolio um, and, and to do it at, at pretty attractive prices for the next, you know, 30, 40 years. And, and so I, I'm always kind of amazed and, and jealous of those folks. Uh, unfortunately, though, you know, they'll look at their, their – they look more at, geez, I've just lost 30% of what I had in there as opposed to, Oh man, I got to reset this thing because this is fantastic. The opportunities here. So, uh, but uh, you know, it's usually new folks that get spooked the easiest, and and I get that. Um, is there a newbie uh, factor in this market? Because you had a lot of folks get into this during the pandemic. They rode a lot of these stocks. They were you know pushing a lot of these stocks higher. Do you think that? These conditions are even a little worse now because there are so many newbies, and a lot of them 
don't know how to act in a down market. Yeah, absolutely. You've had, I mean, it's no secret you had when you looked at the the account growth of the Robin Hoods and and some of these, you know, the the Nouveau brokerage firms. I mean, it was, well, even in old line firms like Charles Schwab and things like that, I mean, 20, you know, 20 to 21, I mean, they were having just a huge growth in, in new accounts and, and, you know, almost by definition, a new, a new account is a, is a newbie in this business. And, and so, yeah, there was scores of new folks coming into the market here. Uh, and, and, and now they're dealing with, you know, what is basically their first taste of a bear market and it doesn't taste very good. They never do. Um, but, uh, you know, the, 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 the reaction especially for younger people, should not be, well, I'm done with this. I thought this was just going to be a one-way street upward forever, and I'm out. And that's the risk you run is that you just get turned off by the markets and you'll never get back into them again. If there is a silver lining here, it's like, well, okay, if you aren't going to go into the market, what are you going to do? Well, you know, you just got your head handed to you in crypto, so that doesn't look like a great place to pivot to. And, you know, hopefully they – take advantage of the opportunities that are being developed and not get scared off forever because, you know, bear markets are part and parcel of, of, you know, of bull markets. They restore value. They take the speculative froth off. They create better opportunities for long-term investors. So it is a necessary evil to sustain longer-term growth in the stock market. But, you know, nobody has any fun while they're going on. They stink. Is there any place that you're suggesting for people to get cover. I know it's very tough when pretty much everything is going down and is there any you know any kind of picks that that you can throw out there right now or moves or anything that uh you know there's ahead. there's you know I I still think I still think the energy sector is an idea that will continue to work. Um it, you, you, and the good news there is I mean you 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 do get some opportunities there to buy those stocks on on dips. I mean while while they've had really nice runs, I mean it hasn't been unusual for some of those stocks to to get you know to have a day where they get down four or five percent. They typically have come back pretty quickly, but I think that's I think that's an idea that can still work. You can still get dividends as well in in, in many of those stocks. And one of the reasons why I think it can work, yes, those stocks have had really nice rebounds uh, and big gains over the the, the 2021 2022 so far this year. But you know if you go back, I mean. Energy had become just an afterthought in the S&P 500 after it had just gotten shredded for, you know, 10 years. I mean, the, the oil exposure, energy exposure in the S&P, I think, got down below 2%. So there was a lot of room to make up. Um, they made up some, but I still think there's some legs in that story. Uh, I think these are like stocks. How about like, you know, cigarettes like Philip Morris and Altria? We've talked about some of these conservative names uh, telecom, um, you know, maybe some of these things would should have been bought a, even a little earlier. But uh, d- d- your thoughts on those those often stocks that are suggested when when markets turn really bad, you know, like telecoms yeah, I, and safety. I, I think those. I think you know. I think uh, you know. Philip Morris. I think still has value. I don't think it's a stock that's that's going to put you know put up twenty five percent gains this year. But when you couple the the, the the dividend yield of five percent and maybe you get one or two percent growth um you know you, you can make seven percent on your money this year that that's 
I think that's going to be a really good year if you can make just not losing. If you're making some and and not yeah. losing, that that's that's a good that's a good thing, especially when you know people see what's going on now. Yeah, exactly. So you know, I you know, so there there are you know, not coincidentally, I think a number dividend paying solid consistent you know this this is be, this will be a market for what i call the steady eddy stocks you know i mean not they're never going to be at the top of the leaderboard in those go go growth years but boy you know they're real businesses they make stuff they sell it they have a bit of pricing power they kick money back to shareholders and financially they're going to be around and they're not sexy by any means but you know those stocks um, you know, all of them may not show gains, but you're probably going to hold up better for you. And, um, you know, you're going to get some cash flow off of them. So, the, you know, utilities kind of fall into that category, I think. Um, you know, everybody's still going to need electricity. Um, they're still going to pay pretty good dividends. Um, are they going to be, you know, gangbuster you know, capital gains generators? Probably not, but, um, you know, that's okay. Sometimes you kind of you got to kind of play a little defense. You got to tuck in your horns a little bit and and kind of muddle through. And that's why, you know, I'm still in favor of kind of running, you know, this this barbell strategy where at one end of the barbell you have those sorts of stocks, the the steady eddies, those type. And then at the other end of the barbell, if you want to hold on to your flyer stocks, um, because when they do rebound, they're, they'll probably rebound so gosh darn fast that it's going to be tough to kind of play catch up. So you might want to keep some of those in your portfolio here. Um, and that's, that's not a bad approach to do it. Tilting on the barbell, if you got to tilt, tilt a little bit more on the defensive end, but, but still have some exposure to some of those other types of growth stocks. And as we wrap up today's um, gains discussion, what's your ultimate takeaway and just advice for, I know there's a lot of gains listeners up there or out there that are probably roughed up and you know and and if they're newer to this this might be their first go around in rough waters uh what's what's the takeaway today uh chuck yeah the biggest takeaway on on markets like this is and it's cliche but you make money in bull markets by what you do in bear markets and um you got to stay engaged you got to continue to do your homework focus on the idea that you know all of us has only a finite amount of money so you want that money invested in what you think are your best ideas and 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 don't worry so much about if i got to sell i you know i don't want to sell this stock because i bought it at 50 and now it's 25. if it's not among your best ideas going forward don't be don't be mesmerized by what the stock has done in the past that's done the the the, the question you should be asking with your money is what do i think can make me money going forward it may turn out that you hold on to that stock because that is an idea that you have going forward, but don't be afraid to sell something. Take your loss because, you know, that's all the money that you have and you want to make sure that it's focused on what you think are going to be the best ideas going forward. In short, you know, think, think forward. Don't think backward because thinking backward isn't going to do anything for you. And thinking forward is how you position the portfolio now to benefit when things turn, and they will. I don't know if it's going to be tomorrow, a month from now, 12 months from now, but history says that, you know, <laughs> this too will pass. Um, so take advantage of the opportunity and, and again, position your portfolio for, for the inevitable upturn that, that, uh, that will come, I promise you.
All right, and thanks for kind of guiding us through the, the treacherous waters, and we'll certainly have you on again. So uh, appreciate your time this afternoon. Anytime, Andy, anytime. Good luck, everyone. All right, again, big thanks to Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services and publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast newsletter in Hammond. And as always, hey, be sure to subscribe, follow, and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. That's an option. I've been told that's podcast gold. And subscribe and turn on those notifications so you know when a new Gains episode drops. We drop Gains episodes on Wednesday and Friday mornings. So I will see you on Wednesday, and I look forward to talking to you then. A News Radio WBBM podcast powered by Odyssey. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Now, with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.